Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. I bought fertilizer and brake fluid. What the hell am I supposed to trust? I mean, War and Peace is a hell of a book. It is. It, I've never it read is. it. I did. It's not. It's not Tolstoy's best. The Kreutzer Sonata is a Tolstoy reference on the new record. That song is sort of a a Tolstoy reference. Interesting. Anna Beethoven one. Yeah, it was supposed to come out last year, and so it's been like two hundred years since what? Since uh, Ode to Joy and all of that. Hmm. Well, I mean, you've got some uh, you've got some family ties to uh, literature as well, don't you? Yeah. I, well, I, I, so I was kind of adopted you know or what whatever i think uh-huh. that's the that's the polite word that they use in the 70s for paying somebody money for a child but um like i uh, <laughs> i'm not kind of serious um so like but i mean you know and uh, you can't really complain in ireland like they just straight up sold kids uh, you know to new york or whatever over here yeah and stuff like that when i was growing up i was kind of raised by my my grandparents in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, I, I grew up in Tupelo, but I would spend the weekends and stuff with them. And see, how am I related to William Faulkner? It's two times over. Uh, one of his parents' name was Murray Faulkner, you know? And so the name, they, there were already marriages in the family before John Young Murray, his William Faulkner's grandfather. There was another, then Sally Murray Faulkner and stuff like that. So after that, so I was named after his teetotaler grandfather. Huh. huh. Who was named after the last one of his relations, the last uh, royal governor of Virginia, who was a loyalist and who killed my grandfather of that same generation biologically, like literally, Corn Tassel wow. was his name. Yeah, that, isn't that America? Wow, yeah. I know that's fascinating. That, I know that's jacked up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, that is that is America. That's America. <laughs> 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 You've definitely got some interesting perspectives, I, I think, from uh, that. I think so. You do. What made you decide you wanted to be somewhere else? Uh, I don't know, really. Um, I, Probably the Occupy movement, like, initially. Like, when I was involved in that, I think, you know, after Oscar Grant was shot in, in Oakland, I can remember the next, the next morning, or no, that evening, my daughter, she was probably... See, this would have been, yeah, she would have been about six or seven years old. Well, maybe nine. But she saw him killed on the news, you know? So yeah. Uh, so then we saw helicopters just descend on, like, our block. I mean, we lived really close to downtown then, and, and then we moved into a neighborhood that, we moved into the neighborhood, the old block that the Black Panthers had their sort of standoff on. So, so both times we kind of lived in these areas that were, you know, People were getting fucked. I mean, it was it was a mess. I think after it wasn't really it wasn't so much that as it was the realization that right after all of that occurred, um, Ferguson happened. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I just realized how fucking I don't mean this as an insult to the United States as a place, um, because I love our country. Do you know? <laughs> but I fucking I'm, I'm really tired of our government. Yeah, I'm tired of our people giving way to. I mean, look, Donald Trump, remember when he was a joke in the 90s? Like, what happened? Right. He was a bankrupt guy twice. And if you like, I have a musician friend who told me he was working at a golf course here, you know, 
<laughs> and you saw Donald Trump there, and Donald Trump gave him 100 bucks. He said he thought to himself in that moment, man, I thought this was a classy joint. And that was just a few years before, <laughs> before, before he was elected, you know? Right. Like I've said to people, you know, somebody says, well, how can that be true, John? I'm like, Anything's true. Donald Trump is president. Do you know? I think there is something, there's something going on that we have to, I mean, I, I think it's a great time to be a musician for this reason. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff going on that uh, we need a new perspective on life and on the world. Do you know what I mean? And I think we do. Like, uh, it's been a long time since punk rock happened. Yeah. You know, it's been a long time since like people have decided that there were ways to rebel without taking an AR-15 and shooting somebody. Yeah. Like that there's ways to sort of collectively express things. And I, I think like when I talked to my daughter, she's 16 and she, she's huge. Like, I mean, I am too, but like huge Stevie Nicks fan mm-hmm. and sort of envisioning herself, like becoming the Stevie Nicks that never was, you know, if Peter Green, if there wasn't the earlier Fleetwood Mac, you know, that kind of thing. And so she's kind of thinking about that. And I'm kind of thinking she doesn't really have a framework, you know, to, to do that within. Like the, the cultural. Yeah. Well, like, you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, did you go to shows and things like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I loved going to shows. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I used to go every night in Memphis, you know, I'm not saying that was a great thing, but like I didn't work or anything, but that's all I did. Well, it was a great thing. Who am I kidding? It was amazing. <laughs> right. it was, it was. You know, I mean, I got to see, I got to see the oblivions and the, the rain and sound and all this stuff when, you know, Jack White was sitting there watching them, you know, like ripping everything off. Of stuff. It was great fun. <laughs> but um, she doesn't really have that kind of scene, you know, or, or just that thing to plug into. And I think that's, I think that's really what's missing. You know, I think, I think young people are being taught, and I don't mean this politically, but I mean, in terms of just action in, in society, they're, they're being told, to be, you know, are taught how to be conservative, you know? Right. Like, in, in lieu of just existing as they are, you know? I mean, even though we hear a lot of rhetoric, I think we don't see, okay, here's a good one. Like, the Mekons were playing in Austin at uh, the Continental Club. <laughs> so, at some point, John takes his shirt off, you know, and he's rips the thing off because it's really hot, you know, in Texas. I mean, that's right. They'll tell you that and, until you take your shirt off, I guess. <laughs> and so like, you know, cause it's all hat, no cattle, kind of, that kind of thing. I mean, seriously, like it's a Republic, go ahead and go your own way. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I love telling people from Texas, they say, don't mess with them. And you'd be like, well, fine, go to your own place. Y'all, y'all still call it a Republic. <laughs> Nobody's from Texas. Sorry. I'm just kidding. Most of my biological family is, but so, so, so like, uh, he takes his shirt off and the, the guy running the, the venue runs up and, uh, he goes, uh, you know, that's it. That's it. And pulls the plug and John goes, what, what the hell, man? I haven't even cussed yet. Really. You know, like I just took my shirt off and he was like, that's that I'm not having this. That's what he said. That, he said the guy was 20, 20, 22 years old, covered in tattoos, like sleeves, you know, huh. and <laughs> see what I mean? Like, I guess what I'm saying is just that right. the, the appearance of something isn't, it's not the the appearance of something, I guess, in my mind, isn't the reality of it. I mean, I, I think we've gotten to this place where we think, you know, that, um, or where younger people would think they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the same experiences as, as, as we've had, would they? Right. And I think one factor about that too, is just, I don't know if it was ever really there, the safety and security we thought we had in this country or. No, it never was. Yeah. And Americans always thought, well, we're a country, you know, we, we don't get bombed by anyone. Oh yeah. Right. You know, there's no wars on our shores. There's no, Oh, I don't know. Insurrections at our capitals. Right. Yeah. No, like outside of say like, uh, Oxford, Mississippi, when the Kennedys 
sent the U.S. Marshals in to integrate the school. Uh-huh. Even that was like a tiny, they didn't want to call that an insurrection then. They kind of moved over to, you know, the way that like, I'm, I'm a half Cherokee. So the way that like, uh, like a lot of, even within that family, the stories are gone. A lot of them. Yeah. Up to my, my great grandmother was born on native land, but before her, I can trace things, but the stories are kind of gone. It seems to be true for a lot of people. I think a lot of the white nationalist stuff tends to be related to a lack of identity. Yeah. A kind of a sense of, of, of being lost. And it's, it's really sad. Right. You know, I would like to say I feel sorry for people. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I would like to say I kind of feel sorry for you, but, you know, I don't really feel sorry for you when you're a Nazi. Right. Or lack of maybe individual identity is a better way of saying it, because, you know, they, they have an identity. Yeah. It's just a fucked up one that they inherited. Yeah. In in lieu of a political or social identity, like a, a personal identity relative to, you know, something that's, that's uh, concrete, right? You know, something real. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe somewhere like the the crazy fucked up conservative ideas started really going crazy is when some of that safety felt challenged i think so right when 9-11 happened you know when occupy jumped in there you know when yeah fucking all kinds of shit's gone down yeah you know and really i, I wonder if this didn't to me it feels like it started back with um i can remember watching the iran contra hearings on yeah on you know, and I'm watching, uh, my partner is in Afghanistan now, you know, and she's running a hospital. Oh, wow. In Helmand province. Like, yeah. So Kandahar was just apparently, I'll be, I'll be, be we're going to beat CNN here. Kandahar was just blown the fuck up by the Taliban, <laughs> you know, like the airport there. Yeah. So, you know, like there's this, this sort of, I don't know, there's this kind of, we have a very different relationship. Like uh, when I talk to my daughter, you know, she's 16, she doesn't know a pre-9-11 world right you know like you're saying like so, so much has changed the patriot act was remember when that happened that was a big deal oh yeah yeah yep and uh never went away and never went away but we don't we don't talk about it anymore you know no we don't not really or you know like my daughter wouldn't know she would know she knows how to hide under a desk from an active shooter she does not know how to prepare for a tornado yeah or an earthquake which i had to do in second grade this is incredible you know that uh, Uncle Tupelo song that goes, Mr. Browning's got a prediction? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there really was a guy named Mr. Browning, right? And he predicted this hurricane, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, uh, an earthquake on the New Madrid fault line. Yeah. So I had to get under my desk for two hours in second grade, you know? It wasn't because of an active shooter. It was because of a man making crazy-ass predictions. That's way far. <laughs> That's know. cool. That's great. I was sitting under there going, who is this guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> now, we're from, well... John's originally from Illinois, but we both uh, spent a lot of our our lives in uh, Southern Missouri. Oh, no, man. Yeah. So we knew about that shit there, and people were worried about it. Well, you got real foot lake over there. I mean, last time the river ran backwards, you know, it made made a lot of that stuff down there. So, oh, I'm sure. Shit. I I, I imagine that's kind of, kind of. Well, hell, that's where all those lads were were from, uh, from from Missouri and from from Illinois. Like, uh, one of my good buddies is from Carbondale, you know. So, mm-hmm. kinda, yeah, kinda yeah. That area. I've got family yeah. there. Yep. Oh, do you? Down in southern Illinois. Yep, yep. Yeah. Little Egypt, that area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That that used to be a pretty. Uh, wasn't that a? It was a really. I mean, the two rivers coming together there. It was a very active industrial area for years, and it's kind of it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the story goes that that uh, many years ago, that the city of Chicago, on its uh, it, when it was starting to get founded, 
um, so, you know, wanted a loan uh, from the banks in that area because they were doing so well. And uh, they were basically laughed out of the area and said, you're never going to build anything. No. You're nowhere near the Ohio. You're nowhere near the Mississippi River. How do you think you're ever going to build a city there? Right. And uh, dismiss them entirely. And, of course, rest is history. One of these days, they'll, they'll get there. One of these days. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I mean, you know, I still, that, that part of the country still more, probably more, and this is a hell of a thing to say. Cause you know, you guys are, that's right on the border of the Mason Dixon line, that kind of thing. So oh, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like you got the Jesse James kind of vibe going and all of that kind of stuff. But this is the truth. I, I, I would honestly say that that part of the country reminds me of like life on the Mississippi and Mark Twain more than obviously like not just cause of Hannibal, but it actually looks in my head. What say, uh, what, what the bluffs would look like in Memphis before things change, things like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the Southern accents are a lot stronger than anybody thinks they would be. Well, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Paducah, Kentucky is just like right there, you know? Oh man. Oh, I mean, seriously, like Missouri's kind of, I guess it's just historically been considered a kind of a battleground in a way. Uh, so it just never, it never got embraced. Well, because of Mosby's Raiders and all of that kind of stuff or Quantrill. It's a little bit of everything here. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely gone a little bit more toward the, uh, Southern, influence i think is well yeah definitely conservative as, as john's saying is, because is, i mean that, this this used to be a bellwether yeah you know as goes missouri goes the rest of the country when it came to vote but yeah in in recent years it's all red yeah you know except for the little islands that we live on like you you know you've got st louis kansas city columbia those yeah three major cities across the uh those are all little blue islands st louis is always great great fun to play Mm-hmm. strange city great fun yeah i'm in kansas city yeah there's a really stark difference between kansas city and st louis in personalities what is the difference because kansas city had a huge i mean in terms of its effect on the blues and stuff it had a much larger you know what i mean there's a lot like uh the the hoover towns the hoovervilles that were in kansas city and stuff those things were in, incredible the ones in st louis as well but the Kansas City, I think we've almost forgotten about. I used to be a huge Royals fan. Right on. George Brett was, well, I still am. Like, I mean, I, if I, no, I had to go with the A's ultimately, but like, <clears throat> you know, I, w- I would go with, I would go with the Royals as a secondary team, I suppose, but I never made it to Kansas City. See, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, you should come. I will. Oh, it's a great <laughs> town. Yeah. Is it? We'll welcome you. St. Louis is much more like the way I see it is. Uh, St. Louis is kind of like a misplaced East Coast town. Yeah. Yeah. In in my mind, like it, the people. Yeah. It's a little less uh, open. They're, they're a little bit more uh, not to rag on them too much. I love a lot of people from St. Louis and I've had a lot of fun there. Uh, but it's a little bit more. Um, they're a little more high on themselves. Yeah. I think in general. Yeah. In St. Louis. And they think, you know, they're kind of superior to everyone else around. Um, and that's not all of them. I don't want to overgeneralize. Yeah. But Kansas City is a little more Midwest. You know, it's like an overgrown small town. I'm with you. Like uh, Madison, Wisconsin was a town that a buddy of mine lived in for a long time. And mm-hmm. it had this, uh, I don't know, that Midwestern thing. I can get down with that. Do you know what I mean? There were some great bands up there and that kind of. I don't know that replacements kind of thing, the Minneapolis St. Yeah. Paul kind of thing. I like that. There's something, there's something sturdy about the Midwest in there. I mean, you got cheap trick and whatnot, you know? Right. 
Oh, there's some great bands around here. I grew up about an hour away from Madison. Did you? Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if you... Okay, so let's see. I, I would have known that band was incredible. The Something Aids. Brady was in that. And then there was a band called... Damn it. I'll remember before this is over. Because they were freaking right. incredible. They were, just, they were just one of those problematic bands that likes to start trouble, but they were actually good. You know? Rarity. Yeah. 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 Yeah, my parents moved me down to Southern Missouri when I was about 18. So as far as a lot of the club scene, going to see shows, things like that, that was mostly a Missouri experience for me. I mean, we definitely had uh, our music up there and, you know, select record stores in Chicago, things like that, that I would go to when I was younger. But as far as attending those shows and stuff, it was mostly, you know, Springfield, Missouri is where I saw a lot of bands come through. Yeah, it was a two-hour drive from where we were to get to anywhere. So getting to shows, you know, when I was your daughter's age, I didn't get to go to shows. And really, the, yeah. what access I had to artists was just, you know, people brought it in. You know, someone brought in a cassette. Yeah. You know, it's almost like you know, smuggling or black market shit because the radio didn't play it. We didn't have MTV there until I was... In high school. No, you're right. I think you, I mean, I think what y'all are talking about is the exact same kind of the way I grew up. I mean, we didn't have, there was nothing outside of going to say RL, RL Burnside's place or Junior Kimbrough's place or going to see bands in Oxford, Mississippi, like, which was a kind of a, people would stop through Oxford because they liked the town. Not really because, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't one of those. So occasionally you'd see something kind of amazing. It would just happen there. But for the most part, like there was nothing to see in mississippi and i i kind of think it was a great thing in a way because just like you were saying like i would get these cassette tapes of just weird stuff that like i mean oh yeah i got this uh like a tape uh off of a seven inch that ran at at, at 33 and and it was scenic you know and somebody had just written scenic on the side and years later i met bruce leisher who like started the band you know and i was like holy shit you're like my hero man you know and it was that kind of Mm-hmm. I had that that kind of relationship with that tape, you know. I loved it that much. I had no idea who the people were, or where they came from. I just it it sounded like the desert to me, you know. It sounded like the school place that like one day I was going to go see, you know, that kind of thing. And right, so there was something kind of great about it. But at the same time, you know, I didn't hear the Smiths until I was like, I don't know, you know, like I didn't really hear the Smiths until I was almost thirty, really. Yeah. Because we had the Connells and stuff like we, we we had these kind of stand-in things musically or you know yeah or country music. When I talk about that with folks, it's almost like I don't want to talk. You you guys all understand? It's, you you kind of don't want to talk about it because it's like I wonder if some people even remember the country that I, like I was so relieved not long ago when Dan Auerbach put out that John Anderson record and I thought fuck mm-hmm. somebody somebody else realizes that John Anderson was you know, like had this Rolls Royce of a voice, you know, right. I kind of thought he just disappeared. So it's a lot of stuff that I grew up with that. I wonder, you know, how, how widely heard was it or right. You know, who, who else was listening to the same kind of stuff that say we might've been or, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, the, the scene was just impossible to define too, because I mean, like you say, if you wanted to get good punk records or something like that, you went through a zine that somebody brought from New York or whatever. You got a cassette in the mail after about three weeks of writing somebody yeah, pen palling or whatever. And you'd be like, this is the most awesome band. You'd share it around. And then you realize later that 
yeah, nobody knows who they are. They were just some band from oh. some, you know, small neighborhood or whatever. That's it. That's why I called Jeff Tweedy's parents. Oh, yeah. Because the, on the demo tape, I mean, it was, still, it was still their phone number, but like somebody copied the tape for me with the J card. It was like their, the Uncle Tupelo demo or something. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to call Jeff Tweedy. You know, right. I was maybe like 17. <laughs> I called and they were like, his, his mom was like, I said, is Jeff there? And she's like, who is this? I was like, is he there? And she was like, who, who is this? And I realized, I was like, so this is, is this his mom's and stuff. And she was like, okay, listen. And I was like, ah! Just hung up the phone. And the other person, the, this this is actually really sad though. Like here's a, here's another story like that. This is good. Uh, well, it's not good, but it's 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 brilliant. I uh I I looked up Dave Berman in the phone book in Nashville. Uh-huh. Like back back in the day, nobody blocked it, right? And I just started calling. Like yeah. I wanted, I needed to talk to Dave Berman. I needed to like understand how did you? I passed out on the fourteenth floor. The CPR was so erotic. That's so weird, man. I gotta, I gotta talk to that guy. Do you know what I mean? And so I would call, and finally his girlfriend was like, "Listen, John, probably not a good idea to call right right now. He's he's suicidal." And I was like, "Oh my god, Jesus! I need to talk to him." And she was like, "No, seriously. I mean, I was a kid. You know, I didn't really right. understand that the guy was actually, but he was a, he was a sweet, sweet, sweet dude. And I kind of, I don't know. I I miss those days when when these things were so kind of they were right. It uh, they felt like they were more at our fingertips. You know, and I want to. I don't know. I think that's John Boyle and I have talked a lot about this. You know, we talked a lot about like wanting to wanting to create the same kind of environment so that our, our kids and other kids can, do you know? Yeah. Yeah. They can do whatever the fuck they want. They can, they can, they can invent the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, I, there's still a few uh, uh, people like that, I think, who are, you know, or uh, just a, a little bit of the older guard. It's like, uh, I get surprised sometimes the contacts that I have on my phone of people who've, who've called me. Yeah. It's just like, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to message back and forth. The phone call might be easier or something for like a sound check. Yeah. And it's like, I remember one was just like, I think on the tail of one of our emails, I put my phone number in there for, you know, to contact uh, if you, if you want to call. Hmm. So I get a call out of the blue and it's like, you know, middle of the afternoon, I'm letting my dog out or whatever. And it's, it's like, Hey John, how you doing? No, this is Paige. So anyway, I got your email and it's, it's <laughs> Fucking right. Paige Hamilton from Helmet, you know, and I'm like, oh, mm, yeah. So Paige Hamilton's giving me a call right now. That's fucking class. Yeah. Man, I need to talk to Maynard though, man. Like I've got, I'm for real though, that's class. That's yeah. legendary. That's iconic. Wow, it is. It's wild. I'm humble. It's it's surprising how often stuff like that works out for us, though. And I think John and I both just kind of like, how much longer is this luck gonna last? Mm. How are we pulling this shit off forever, lads? Because when I was like, when I was fourteen, that was one of the five CDs I hid from my mom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I had, I had helmet, and I had like belly. I had the tool record that had the pig on it, you know, and she was like, this artwork is grotesque and horrible and stuff. So I, just, <laughs> oh, I, swapped, yeah. I swapped another CD that was black in there and, you know, some random stuff like that. But damn, that is so sad. Like, I think once you're in it, you're in it, lads. Like, I kind of think uh, the older I get, the more I think, damn. Like, I was at a record shop in Kilkenny a while ago. Uh-huh. And the guy that ran it, say a few years ago, before he passed away, um, Willie Meehan, I was just sitting in there reading a book and somebody said, something to him and i just heard him say john would already have some money if you know he wouldn't be completely broke if you weren't in uh this whole music thing for the stories <laughs> and i thought fuck that's true <laughs> you know because like you know i thought immediately about that like things like that you know i don't know these things are if you love music you love music do you know what i mean like if yeah. you love it you just do sure I'm, I'm it's great it's great fun watching my daughter get into some of the stuff that we 
we may have been into, may not have been into, but you know, we would have had the same kind of debates with ourselves about, you know, whether or not this thing is good or like yesterday it was Dave Grohl, uh-huh. you know, Nirvana to Foo Fighters, really? You know, that kind of, like she was kind of debating whether or not that was okay. And I, I thought, well, that's gangster. You're already, you know, criticizing yeah. somebody who's pretty talented. But- <laughs> I got an 11 year old who, that, Dave Grohl is my kid's life right now. Oh, dude. Okay. All right. Seriously? Oh yeah, he he loves, but he's learning to play the drums, and he's getting pretty good at it. Mm. So he's you know kind of got a role model. Hell yeah, he gave the best advice for drumming ever, right? Like I mean, I think I told I said this to John Boyle one time. I was like, you know, John, I think Dave Grohl said the best thing ever. He said the, the first thing you got to learn is uh, if you hit two things at once and not one thing at once, it sounds louder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like Dave, Dave Grohl really is that guy. You know, he 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 produced. A band in uh out of Birmingham, Alabama. Do you know? Do you guys know A. A. Bondi? I'm not familiar. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Like uh Scott, he's on he's on Fat Possum. Um, there was a van a band called Verbena, and and they were incredible. He produced this the last record that they did, and it, just one of the most kind of one of the biggest sounding. I know that's a horrible word to use, but one of the biggest sounding records I've ever heard without losing edge. You know? Yeah. Like really, like had had real nerve real simple three-piece kind of setup you know mm-hmm. i just think Grohl has every time i want to hate him i can't yeah he's a great performer live too yeah if you watch like sonic highways yes we just actually watched that yeah with my family you know and i've i've really been exploiting the opportunity with my kid to really kind of get him to notice more stuff that's out there and kind of grow in that way and it's been working so i've been really excited about that but if you just watch sonic highways you can see this guy fucking loves music he loves it i mean he this is this is the guy who's who who saw it he went after an eve you know board that it made no sense really to unless you love that sound specifically like unless you you have to get obsessive you know so this is just a guy who i don't know i've just i've thought for after nirvana and so i, I was Kind of around that time, I was, I know this is sound weird. I kind of thought Nirvana was a little odd. Like, I was more into Miles Davis, mm-hmm. which was weird, you know, for that age and stuff. Uh-huh. But then Kurt Cobain, like, after, I don't know, more, like, I was into the early stuff, and then I thought, this is all commercial. And I don't know, I thought I was punk rock or something, but I was really just one of these little, like, jazz dorks, kind of, you know, <laughs> in a weird way. And then the Foo Fighters come along, and, you know, you kind of go, damn, this is much more, uh, sort of, commercial or whatever it, it, it's it's more digestible but over time i just thought this dude's a revolutionary he's i mean he is he his his positivity his attitude about music other people like his his sense of community you know what i mean like the guy's just a legend oh it bleeds through and it, i mean absolutely fucking he catches you man just kind of astounding you know whether it's poppy or not oh. jesus christ he can come up with some books that will suck you in i think i think what i didn't want to say to myself was god damn he's good fuck him <laughs> you know what i mean like i wish i could do that right you know because i mean this is a guy that was playing drums with nirvana it's not like i could probably get away with that almost you know what i mean but maybe it wouldn't sound as big but i mean he, he he's a hell of a guitar player bass player whatever engineer producer all of it you know he's just a he's an amazing all-around cat and i think probably i don't know is he one of the who else? Who else of that generation is kind of? Who who else went into into that kind of territory of of being that that heavily involved in music? Really? Uh, 
Oh, as far as like who getting other bands involved and everything else like that. And, uh, boy, I guess, I guess now you've got me thinking maybe Dave Grohl is kind of like Rick Rubin. You know what I mean? A little bit in a way. I mean, but not that producer ish, but yeah, no, not, but kind of in the kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? In that kind of the way that he making it family. Yeah. Making the family, like having the conversations about, about these things and keeping it together. Because I think that's a lot of what's that's, that's what I've had fun talking to my daughter about. I mean, Fleetwood Mac is the, the perfect band into, you know, to talk about like dysfunctional family, you know what I mean? And to talk about like, here's how a band can change and morph and you know, all the drama that occurs. Yeah. And I think all that is so it's necessary. We need these narratives again. You know, we need this kind of sense of community back. I think after things kind of lift, I, I, I feel really positive about where we're going. I feel like we, we got to a place where uh, things were so bloated, you know, and kind of overexposed and like the people not, not, it really doesn't matter what companies think, but what people crave is something or real things, you know? Right. No. And I think, Maybe that's where, you know, maybe that's the answer to my question initially of where, how do we keep getting these people? Because mm. it always blows my mind. But I think the people that were interested kind of have that same spirit already. Yeah. Yeah. It's been like really encouraging to know how many people actually have that spirit. Yeah. And I think in spite of it, that spirit is going to persevere, mm. right? Because it, it's bigger. It always does. It's so much bigger. It, it's it's the thing, that energy, that spirit, that, that's the thing that there's those people that play for people and there's those people that play with audiences yeah. that, that are a part, you know, there's no separation. And the thing that I've realized throughout this time is how much I miss something that I kind of, you know, I think anyone, if they're honest with themselves, can say there's elements of that that I really took for granted. And there's there's things that I could give more to, you know, and there's uh, ways that I can make it more exciting for myself and other people. And so... I think, I think that's what we're, you know, I think that if, if I look, I'm a negative per, like I'm a real, I'm a pessimist. Right. Do you know what I mean? I, I basically think humanity is lost and <laughs> right. they were all, I mean, most of my songs are about how we're going to die one day and we don't pay attention. You know, that's, that's right. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to change this, you know, but we're, we're getting there slowly. Like uh, my kid said to me when I was in France, she was like, oh, bro, I thought you would like it there. And I was like, what are you talking about, broski? And she goes, man. Like uh, the French, I was saying, I don't understand them. And she was like, well, you know, I thought you'd like them. They're, they're moody like you are, you know, but, <laughs> but, I, but I really do feel like we have real opportunity here. Like even like what you guys are doing this, this podcast, there wasn't space. Pod, when did podcast exist? They're incredible. Like I love them. Yeah. I mean, what the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. But like I, I listen to them every night, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're really right. Like it's going to be interesting and fun. Yeah. In, in the, the parade of people, too, I think it's going to make a difference. It's just how we're going to adapt to that as far as technology goes, as far as the internet goes. And like you say, how the, the sea, you know, is there a scene anymore? Is there, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked to musicians who don't even have a local scene that they played on. They just went straight online. They don't. Yeah. And, and then that, that's my main concern is that I think human, and I, I don't think this has anything to do with the virus. This was something that that existed before but around the time that i released the grace of sage the shows that that i played there was a much more kind of engaged audience these were still the people that they were the ones that that had scrapbooked all of the gigs that they had been to that kind of that kind of thing you know and now i think a lot of those people have become collectors as opposed to honest just lovers of music you know there's more of a scene kind of within a, a scene 
but you could play these shows that were energetically more engaged or even before that like when i played in the dillingers or with lucero like some of those shows turned into absolute anarchy you know so yeah i think that i think that we're at a place where you know it's just if, if you've been there before it's your responsibility to show the kids yeah you know right and i mean that's what that's what john boyle and i were talking about was like causing trouble in a good way like there's nothing wrong with you know uh like uh there's a place in dublin called the liberties i'm, I'm moving up there in about uh about a month and a little little less and so like uh it's right outside the old city walls and if you're outside the walls, then uh, you are free. Mm-hmm. You know, you aren't within the the constraints of the pale mm-hmm. in Dublin or under the sort of under British rule, right? Effectively, so you were outside of the walls, the same as the city of London is a city within you know the city itself. And so I said, man, we should give some free shows to these free people. Do you know uh-huh. these these little squares and stuff? And so we're going to do some things like that. I mean, I, I think it's really important that 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 we all that that musicians. Like, I mean, for me anyway, like, I want to focus on what gets me excited. Right. You know, I want to, like, I want to, I want, I, want, I want shit to happen. Like, yeah. You know, that Tom York line, like, I wish it was the 60s. I wish it could be happy. I wish, I wish, I wish that something would happen. You know, mm-hmm. I do too, but I'm just going to make it happen. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's what you ultimately have to do. Yeah. It always is. But, you know, I think we have real opportunity to create something that, like, to create scenes. Hope, hopefully, we haven't gotten too lost. I don't think we have in social media. No, I don't. No. I read, it was a post I saw last night and I kind of, you know, sometimes you'll just see something and your head just kind of starts going places and you take yourself down this rabbit hole you never expected. So somebody had posted like, you know, 50 years ago, like all these classic artists came out, you know, or, or putting out, you know, yeah. Elton John and Led Zeppelin yeah. and Bowie. Yeah. And it's been that long since yeah. all of that stuff happened. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. Talk about staying power. Yeah. Yeah. No. True. True. So when when does it end? Right. You know. When did that era of kind of continuity end? I mean, I, I think about this a lot. Like you know, you know, Layla and other assorted love songs. The record. Yeah. <laughs> Layla, the song itself, it was played by one DJ in Oklahoma because Dakota is really long. The Jim Gordon, the drummer, he he tagged that on to the end, and Tom Dowd just recorded it, and uh, then he later like. After the band kind of was about break, kind of breaking up and Clapton's strung out on heroin and then starting to drink and everything, mm-hmm. Jim Gordon killed his mother with a hammer and then went into a bar and said, I think I just killed my mother with a hammer. I need to use your phone. Jesus. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But uh, but when that record came out, someone in Oklahoma kept playing it. This one DJ, it, it would have been too long. And FM radio was a brand new thing. Right. So that was the first, like, that was two years after the record actually was released, and then it became a hit. So everything had changed for the band at the time. I, I wonder, what is the, like, we have a really interesting, we have a re- really interesting sort of uh, landscape of listening possibilities or mediums, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to me, it has to be, I mean, it has to be the people, right? Hey. I'm not much of a magical thinker where it's like, you know, fairy dust was sprinkled on a, a certain decade that made it. Uh, more significant. I mean, I understand there's cultural parameters. There's all sorts of things that happen. I mean, the Vietnam War yeah. influenced music, it, you know, but it, all sorts of events influence music. But I think it's just the people behind it. It's like you look at a, a music critic, for example, today, it's nothing like, uh, say, Lester Bangs was. No. You know, for, for like Cream or Rolling Stone. You know, that was a guy who, who, yes, he was critical of music, but 
wanted to change music for the better. And he was a part. He was, and he was. He was a part of it. I mean, when you know, uh, in Memphis, uh, living there, the thing that I would hear, the story I would hear a lot was that the reason Big Star never really was heard in the way that you you would have expected them to be heard mm-hmm. is because the show was so damn good when they flew all these guys down like bangs and others mm-hmm. down they all got so high and stuff and they enjoyed the show so much <laughs> that they forgot to write about it forgot you to write know, about it. And, you know, they were such a part of the thing itself i mean like uh when i found out the other day that alan jones is going to write about my record this one that's coming out i was like he, he's done that in the last couple but it's always been like holy crap man that the, the dude that like hung, hung out with joe Stromer and said that like you know when you left to go interview him on wednesday like you'd come back on monday without one of your shoes you know that's that's like <laughs> expected thing you know i mean these guys were they were really a part of it like one of my music journalist uh buddies uh will russell he was he, we were talking about the same thing he really feels though that a lot of it has more to do with the the sort of the way that and, and and this could kind of be the sort of culture of things to some degree but but i think it, music has become like uh capital mm-hmm. you know like right in a way it's like a dog it's like a dog that that shits that eats its own shit and then vomits right. and then eats that and does the same thing all over <laughs> you know and it goes like over and over again like that i i, I kind of think that like there's a refractory nature to to the thing itself and and that like my daughter when she asked me this i, I thought oh she, she well damn it we may have a problem she may actually try to do this you know music thing because uh-huh. <laughs> she said like but like I, you know i like i like stevie like but like how, how do you you got to do your own thing yeah and i was like oh no yeah. see that's that's the thing is that i think i can look and hear i mean more and more i can hear in music i heard a a, a lady say this on rte in, in a, a on a review show here not long ago about a band but she was just saying that she could hear all their influences it was just almost too direct yeah you know yeah and i think there's a way that like mm-hmm. that's a great it's a great thing i kind of love to hear it you know i kind of love to hear like younger bands getting into stuff that that that, that would have been a little kind of obscure you know yeah uh, I, I think there's a way that almost with technology we've kind of lost playfulness you know we we, we we've sort of created strange strictures for ourselves that have instead of doing what jim dickinson said he said that limitations make great records like instead of the limit these aren't really limitations it's like endless possibility Mm -hmm. you know and 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 so instead of actually instead of somehow energetically like i think there's records and and i think there's things that you can listen to that that have that carry emotional weight you know right and i think you can feel it right and i i think i just think there's so much crap that doesn't that we, you know, that that's that's what we remember about those 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 legends that you mentioned earlier. You know, right? There's 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 very, very well. I just wonder, is it that there's very little that strives to be that? You know, I, I think kind of going to back to the limitations thing. I, I think it's possible, and this sounds it's really abstract sounding, but you set up parameters, but you can still stay unlimited within those parameters. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think you can only stay unlimited right. within parameters. I think that's that's the thing. I mean, you need those those limitations to to keep coming up with possibility. You know, otherwise there's no problem. Right. It's it's the it's the imperfections that that are perfect. You know. An example that I I think of, and this is a weird thing to bring up, but South Park. Yeah. I remember watching something on them, and they talked about like their struggles with like censors and people telling them what they could and couldn't do. Yeah. And they kind of got to a point where they embraced it, 
like, okay, maybe, you know, they find out they could make better jokes when they had those parameters in place. Like the whole, you remember the one with Tom Cruise being gay? Yeah. Well, there's the whole thing. I mean, well, the Scientology thing went all the way. I, I was living in Memphis when Isaac Hayes was playing chef and you know the whole i mean that 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 the scientology oh yeah you know and the the tom cruise bit oh, is yeah, really yeah. connected to that as well i mean i think right they really went after scientology didn't they i mean <laughs> I, love, I love those guys i mean i'm sorry and i mean come on idiocracy you didn't you know there's some yeah this is good but like the joke they couldn't say that he was gay well, in the episode, they, they were told that they couldn't, yeah. you know, or that he wouldn't admit that he was gay, whatever. They were told he couldn't do it. Yeah, so no, they I'm... went with the whole him literally being in a closet the entire episode. He won't come out <laughs> yeah, of the closet. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that made it so much funnier. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, see, this is the thing about comedy, right? Like, there's a certain amount, like, it's it's the, like, okay, when you go back and you watch Richard Pryor and you go, damn, that man is funny because he doesn't go over the top until right, when, just for a second, you know? Yeah. Like, he, the the jokes are really, they're, they're relatively benign, you know? Anyone's going to lap it up, you know? And then it just hits this point, you know? And he uses the uses the power of that it's like a crescendo in a, in, a, in a way you know no i totally understand what you're saying yeah what i was get, getting at earlier with the other point was tying in generations and people were complaining you know millennials aren't you know cluing into some good stuff and you know <laughs> listening oh. and i made the argument you know millennials are listening to more of that shit than people like us gen xers are listening to yeah. fucking like time wise thank you that's oh, absolutely yes. i'm not listening to that shit no i know right? really. I, I no no i know appreciate I, glenn miller and that stuff yeah. but am i gonna pull it out no on a daily basis well, fuck no i'm not sure he didn't work for the cia i don't really you know or, I, mean, <laughs> I, I know i know he was a philanderer so are we not so are we not meant to cancel him i mean i'm not sure what's going on here you know like um i'm just saying no you're absolutely right and like it's it's, it's also really interesting to see like my kid have this kind of better relationship with the same music that i got to listen to than me because she's getting to do it with her own taste you know what i mean she's kind of going that no that's what i dig as opposed to this is what i'm told to dig you know no like you know oh it's interesting you know it's great that way it's kind of i think for me i think that's what i loved about music that was from a time before i was born you know because it gave me the ability to conceptualize it without like I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't have to know anything. It, it, it could exist on its own. Do you know? It's so much the journey over destination. Yeah. Yeah. It it existed in spite of you. It existed before you and before anything that yeah. you know happened to you. Yeah, and so it's going to continue to, and it has its own sort of. These things could carry their own. Um, I, I could give them my own meaning. I don't know. That's the thing. I, I'm just I'm well into you know like uh, maintaining enough space like for people to project what they like to, to interpret things in a way that's that's necessary to them whether it's in a good way or a bad way you know but that 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 allows them to sort of have a relationship with music that's not they're not being told right what to do i mean we got we have enough of that stuff you know it's yeah allowing yourself to fall down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. yeah the thing is like when you go down that thing you're not coming back no <laughs> no no, I've been on it for my entire life. <clears throat> and I honestly doing this podcast has 
only increased it. Good. It really has. And, and I, I love it. I love it. But at the same time, I'm just like, wow, you know, there, it's almost exhausting when I stop and think about it too much. Cause like, there's this part of me that's like, I'm never going to be able to get to all of it ever. Yeah. Right. And that's both inspiring and a little discouraging. Totally. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I used to think that I had a brain for music trivia, you know, a great one until we started the show. Well, what do you think now? I mean, you mentioned, uh, Hellman earlier and, and that's mm-hmm. like the, John Argroves, the this drummer I played with in Memphis. I think he and I both had like a, yes, you know, that was that kind of like, Oh, we should play together, bro. You know, that kind of that moment. Right. You know? Yeah. Because it was one of those, that's one of those bands that like, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, people kind of, I hear I hear different different folks mention them occasionally, but I don't know. Like like I just think we have so much music. Like who is actually good at, at music trivia? Is that kind of what you're learning? Is like, damn, there's you could get so into some stuff that you could never learn everything. Do you know? Oh yeah. On a daily basis, I am discovering new artists and things that I, I love. Yeah. And it makes me a little bit sad because I also like, I'm never going to be able to give them all enough time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like somebody's always going to get neglected. Oh yeah, man. This I know I, a, a buddy of mine said to me one time, he said like, uh, you know, we, we digest music much more quickly than, than we used to. And I, I've thought about that. No, I mean, I think there's some records that just, I, I don't know about you guys, but like I have some that like, you know, when, when stuff sucks or, when stuff's great or whatever, I'll tend to, I'd like, I'll put some records on, mm-hmm. do you know, like they're just there. They, they're always there, regardless of where I've lived. I've always gotten another, another copy, you know, and things like that. And so I don't know. There's always those kinds of, there's always these kind of go-to records. Yeah. But what were we talking about right before that? Sorry. Just not having enough time for everybody. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I don't know the, the more music you hear, the more you love stuff, like how much, how much space are you going to clear out? Do you know what I mean? Like for the, for the news stuff. Right. Yeah. I don't know. There's a way that I think we're almost, you know, we're spoiled. Like, uh, nowadays there's, there's so much good stuff out there that, you know, you really have to be picky about what, what you let in because there's that much stuff out there. You know? Yeah. That takes your time. Yeah. Of course, it's a lot easier now too. I mean, with technology that if you got a pair of earbuds or whatever, you can just true listen to that on the go i mean you know remember when you had to go home to a tape player or a record player or whatever to put on music or yeah the radio was just limited to you know a few different cuts that you had to wait for to to hear that's what's interesting about that's i guess that's what i was kind of getting at with uh when i was talking about layla you know that record Uh um in general like that that was the first album in that in that way that was played on fm radio that received you know that had a that had a really long song that had a conceptual arc like the entire album and all of that 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 gave way to the i, th- I think that kind of gave way to people listening to albums as albums right you know before that it was kind of like the, the single i mean there were other records like the beatles had made albums but in, in the united states that kind of gave way actually no that fm that's when that's when the single got kind of plucked off of the album so you know you have the the sort of build up to what became punk rock like kind of disco and all this stuff between that was more single single focused i'm noticing though digitally now like there's there's cool like 
uh, Lou Reed's New York, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, all the outtakes are on Spotify now. I didn't know they existed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, um, like the replacements, like, my favorite replacements record, like, now all the outtakes are on there. I didn't know there were any. Like, that's class, you know? So there's, there's a way that, like, I don't know how other people are listening, but I, I think there's, I'm, I'm noticing, like, younger people are kind of getting into vinyl and things like this in weird ways that, that I wasn't expecting at all. No, vinyl is picked up. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Yeah. I think it has to do with a kind of a a return to kind of people want an album. They want they want more of a relationship with music, you know? Yeah, that tactile connection. You're, yeah. you're, you connect more when you're handling, you know, that, that vinyl as opposed to like push and play on a screen. Yeah. Right. Well, and with, with manufactured bands, I think you can't, it's not as easy to pull the wool over a kid's eyes as, as I think the, you know, record companies or uh, music companies think it is. Yeah, no. They, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think, I think um, we're seeing this in politics, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, as the old guard just ignores the reality of the way that kids actually exist, you know? And now these kids are voting. You know what I mean? Yep. They're going okay, no, abortion and stuff, uh, gay rights, all of that's great over here, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, really quickly, you're over there, you, you know, Trump's gone. Like, they're, they're, I think I think young people are probably to thank for that, you know? I, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm finding hope in that. Like, right now, I think we needed that push. And I think the people that think a little bit more differently, not the, you know, super conservative Trump, is going to brainwash us all. But those people that realize that's happening are also realizing we got to fucking do something with what we've got right now. Exactly, man. And that's exactly, I feel a real urgency when it comes to, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, it's absurd to think that it just kind of hit me one day. Like I was doing acid. I mean, I'm just going to tell the truth. I was doing acid. And I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, well, there's nothing else to do in Ireland. I mean, it's real pretty as well. <laughs> I'm surprised you have acid in Ireland. You know, you got you, 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 you no, no, no. Well, you know, they got guns over here somehow too. And everybody, sure. and, and nobody's, <laughs> and nobody was ever in the IRA. Like, I can't, how is that? No, how is that? No, no, right. You know what I mean? It's real funny that way. But like, uh, so I'm outside, you know, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking about okay, like when when music got boring and things changed and things happened, or when things came back together, what like generally like what what was it you know that gave the musician oh they just did some shit mm-hmm. they just decided to do some shit I mean that's kind of you know yeah that's kind of the thing like things have to change because they change it it has to be real you know and I think that's I don't know that's kind of the realization that I that I had that like being more insistent about the ways that you create and being more insistent about um having a more direct relationship with the person that's that's listening to your stuff and all of that in a in a, in a more sort of interesting way like playing with things like having a good time with it and all of that like fuck is money gonna be worth anything in three years like let's have a good time before then right <laughs> yeah you know i mean like Come on, when people come out of this, it's going to be really weird. It is. They're just going to blow money real quick. So let's like make sure that there's some cultural fucking remnant, you know, of something that mattered. You know what I mean? Like we already kind of live in the digital dark ages. Like I think songs, man, they get sung to people anyway. I mean, do you know where the word gringo came from? You'll love this. No, I didn't. I don't. Okay, like where wero means, you know, like 
derogatory term for white person in a way, you know, mm. in Spanish. But right. but uh, gringo comes from uh, this old Irish song where the green grass grows. Huh. So there, there was a battalion of guys that were fighting for the United States military that realized, like, they were fighting against uh, Mexicans who were Catholic and who were fighting for sort of the, the freedom to be so in a sense. That's the way they saw it. And so um, the San Patricios, like, went and they just switched sides. And so they, uh, they're still the most decorated battalion in, in Mexican military history. And, huh. and they fought for Pancho Villa. And um, so, like, Rod Cooter and the Chieftains made a record based on the whole thing. But um, the song, they would walk around singing where the green grass grows as, as they marched because they were in the desert, you know? And they missed the grass, you know, and what, I mean, I mean, it's really green over here. It's weird. It's wet all the damn time. So, you know, they, they literally like, uh, Mexican soldiers were kind of going, oh, here they come. Here come the green grass. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. That's interesting. So it's actually a term of endearment, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just one of those weird sort of like cultural things. I think music has an ability to move beyond the constraints of, uh, things like printed media or paintings or of uh, all kinds of things. I mean, when Nietzsche said that, you know what, that music is maybe the only sort of, like it's, it's, it's in a sense, like the, the purest of the arts because it's, it's relative to the heart. You know, I think that's true. I mean, I think it's, 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 it's really emotionally relative. You know, it resonates with us. And so I, I feel that we, for a very long time, like we've just forgotten that. Like, you know, we, we've just forgotten to sort of embrace the oddity yeah. and, and, and the weirdness. Yeah. And kind of, you know, really not not just like to do this kind of tolerate diversity thing, but to but to celebrate it right. and, and to embrace it and, and incorporate it. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, when people ask me what I listen to, I think they expect me to say like, uh, I don't know what, but like I listened to a lot of hip hop mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's triple six mafia and stuff was like coming out of Memphis yeah. and all of that. So I think we have a really sort of. A really strange kind of relationship, yeah, with like uh, the possibility and stuff, and we can change it really quickly. I don't know. I- I'm banging on about this because I really believe in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's something like just being in Ireland now? Because I personally, I don't know what it is, but I find myself just constantly. We'll go to Spotify. I, you know, I yeah. discover all kinds of shit there. Oh. And I, it's a love-hate relationship. I know, I know, I know. Me too. I love it kind of right now. I mean, it's great. I know what you mean. For this, yeah. But I'll let it just like discover bands for me. And I swear to God, it'll come up with stuff and I'll listen to it. Be like, yeah, that's kind of catchy. Who's this? And then I'll look them up. Another fucking Irish band. Irish band, yeah. Oh, you know, it's kind of incredible. See, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble with anyone. And John Parrish even told me not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay. You two is a bit of a mafia kind of thing. And so once that happened, I'm just saying, Paul McGinnis is real. He was real good at his job, but he would have never paid Apple, what, 22, 23 million to put out a record for free. Yeah. I remember when my daughter ran in and goes, what the fuck is this on my phone? You know, and the whole, she didn't say fuck. She didn't say fuck. Yeah. She's like, what's this on my phone? What? Who was you? What is you too? Who and me too? Oh, what? Yeah. And I was like, man, delete, delete. You know, and she's like, it was free. <laughs> I woke up with this thing. You know, that was. I mean, that was horrifying. 
But when I found out that they paid for it, that was even more terrifying because I thought they, they don't they don't care about the value of, of anyone's music or Is that what it is? Yeah. That, like fucking YouTube constantly if like I'm not don't have anything set up when my car connects to my phone, it's like YouTube. Well like I, I, I never asked you to play YouTube. I, I mean I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or like a kind of like a QAnon kind of freak because I'm not right. at all. But you can do that within music. And so you can be one of those weirdos. And so, you know, I'm going there. I have a couple of friends on name of philip brennan and james taylor i kid you not his name is james taylor he's a great drummer as well and kill kenny <laughs> he plays in a band with john f kennedy jr with in that funny oh and a and a and an, and, an, and an irish guy named james brown oh yeah i'm not i'm not kidding that's an awesome lineup isn't that incredible i know yeah so they they were selling uh they were selling stuff at a market in dublin and uh and bono got out of his car and like uh, Taylor looks at his phone and ding ding, you know, and this Facebook note, do you want to be friends with Bono and stuff? He's like, whoa, man, why? Whoa, and he just got out the. This is weird. And then Philip was like, oh, don't be all paranoid and stuff. And the ding ding, and his phone goes off, and loads of people's phones went off. I don't know how these things function, but I do know that the guy was inside the G8 when we were throwing bricks at it. Huh. He's probably got like a, his own uh, his own broadband signal that emerges from like his earring or something. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, they they, they kind of see they did they did a lot for this country, but at the same time, just like Elvis Presley did a lot for Memphis, Jim Dickinson always said that when Elvis was after it was sort of a and this is what created a great landscape for creating music in, but it also sort of it was like New York in the in the 70s that that kind of sonny rollins playing saxophone on the brooklyn bridge you know Mm -hmm. to the sound of the traffic and stuff because you can't really make any money playing music you know or Mm -hmm. that that kind of i think i think that's still and it's definitely a part of 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 what happens here and a lot of the man the musicians here are you know americans like i mean it just makes me i feel guilty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for years like when i mean I, i was like jesus i don't know there's a real, uh, I've met some of the, like a guy named Jerry Maloney, one of the most incredible musicians, like fuck David Hidalgo. And I don't mean that like that, but like, cause David Hidalgo, right. he's, and I love Los Lobos. I mean, I take that back completely almost, right. but Jerry Maloney, I would love to see him, you know, just going like, kind of like a crossroads scene, like Steve I and Ralph, you know, whatever your man is named. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the kind of the, the, the accordion off thing because jar is one of the most incredible musicians i've ever heard but like he exhumes bodies for the hse you know huh. he doesn't he doesn't play music for money traditional music just like gaelic sports um over here um they're inherently like they, they've always been seen as things that 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 shouldn't and don't involve money you know yeah. yeah so i i don't think i mean i wonder in the states if you didn't have the pogues like would you even know about the rest of it you know yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Spotify and so and you know some of those other avenues, or knowing some Irish artists as we do, check, check out a check out a song called "The Patriot Game," and then then think about the because my name is O'Hanlon and I just turned sixteen. My home is in Mana, and that's where I was weaned. Right, all right. Think about this. My name it means nothing. My age it means less. The country I come from is called the Midwest. Oh. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Uh, Dylan, yeah. Dylan stayed in Wexford for about a half year. He loved the Clancy yeah. brothers, you know, and and Liam Clancy, and so you know a lot of a lot of these rebel songs and songs that go back before that they've been written and rewritten, and it's a it's a lot like the blues, right. but the musicianship is sort of the connection to it is 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 very similar. And over time, I've started to really sort of notice 
seriously strange stuff like the the sort of loyalist orange order music up the north uh-huh. is is very related to like the Oter Turner stuff that I grew up around, you know. So this, these are black people playing Orange Order music, but I didn't know what Orange Order music was until I was over here, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a their, their last name is Turner, and there's there's Turners of the North. I imagine that plantation owner named, you know, that's that's how lots of lots of people were forced names were forced on them, um, and that the music was passed on. But they make their own drums and they sort of make their own uh, fives out of cane, you know. Mm-hmm. Huh. But it's the same sort of music, and uh, they wouldn't have—they wouldn't know that, so they've reinvented it. It's—it's it's amazing how how connected uh, I think traditional forms of music are, you know, because they're an inherent sort of—they're a thing that move with people, and and they have—they have to do more with um, need and poverty than anything else. Right. Yep. Populist ideas. Yeah. Yeah, but not not political necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think that in a, in a place like Ireland, though. It's small enough, you know, that, that, that you can you can you can still have there's songs that there's a way that, that songs songs kind of contain everything I say is there's a way that there is no structure to Irish traditional music, but it, it tends to sort of structure itself as it grows over time. Uh-huh. So like the drums relatively, they wouldn't have been an, an addition until the, really until the chieftains, I suppose. Yeah, the, that's a fairly even the Balron. It's a fairly recent addition to to Irish music in, in in that sense but you've got this whole history of show bands over here i don't know if you guys have did john boyle has anyone talked to you about this phenomenon huh no, no i don't think so like rory got rory gallagher and van morrison would have come out of show bands like these bands that that were playing sort of like for the most part the hits of the day in a way and they tended to all have like american names like the one the ones in cork oh okay you know the ones in cork like their big band was and these bands were much they 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 drew far larger crowds than people do today you know Mm -hmm. they were that sort of revered they're huge you know very competitive circuit kind of the dance hall band exactly like it was totally dance hall stuff and everybody went to these things and they loved it and everything <clears throat> like roy Gallagher would have uh, come out of that as a guitar player van morrison would have, would have come out as a as a front man there's a there's a really amazing way that um loads of these musicians that i've played with and uh and musicians who are even younger they all kind of their parents or uncles you know were all musicians in these bands and then they're their folks were musicians and other bands and you know there's there's this kind of amazing kind of way that music is passed on here that um that i think you know it's it's it, it's kind of phenomenal i think it has a lot to do with the size of the the place and that you know it was an island so you couldn't get off of it until not too terribly long ago you know <clears throat> unless you started swimming or got on a boat and uh i think that it, it's it's been competitive in that way you too was so representative of irishness for uh, so long that I think I think a lot of people missed out on bands like Whipping Boy. I mean, Whipping Boy is an incredible band. Yeah. Or um, A House or um, uh, Endless Art is one of the most in that should have been a freaking that incredible song. Dave Cowles is a genius. There's a uh, oh god. I mean, O Emperor um is a great band. Fontaine's DC. I think they're starting to get noticed. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I've been getting that. See, that's one of the ones that Spotify has just got me like, God damn, these guys are good. Yeah, very good. Have y'all gotten to see him play yet? Though? Oh no, 
uh-uh, uh-uh. But I've been listening to the Televised Mind, like, over and over. No, it's great, right? It's incredible. It's great, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I saw him playing, it was just, I was just like, holy, holy shit, this is like big, like mud honey. What? Like, this is uh, something different and something that, you know, you, you both hear and physically feel. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that kind of, damn, this is a, this isn't bullshit. This is for real. This is no. great. Like, happy days. We got some good music now. You know, I mean, it was, uh, the, the fuzz was incredible. Them pillow queens I've been getting into. Mm, yeah. Yeah, mm. uh, they—it's almost like almost a little bit Dave Grohlish is just man. Oh, the hooks just suck you in. Really good stuff. Did you check out the girl band stuff? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely getting more into that stuff. Uh, falling into that rabbit or hole. Just just there's a band there's a band called Girl Band, but there's not actually a girl in the band. Like they're they're oh okay they're, they're okay a, they're a Dublin band. Like their first record is incredible. Like Seamus Fogarty, his stuff is amazing he's on domino there's just like there's we're kind of spoiled for it over here you know like i mean you can walk into a pub and see someone play an instrument in a way that you know you would call virtuos right virtuosic or whatever you know if if you were in the states like you and, and you'll see people playing say fiddle in tandem with one another five of them playing the same fiddle line and and, and they really are just playing along to the melody you know hearing it yeah you know they're not they're not reading they never they never will and they don't want to i mean it's incredible that way like it's 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 forced me to become a better player and a more sort of in tune player you know i wondered yeah if some of that was what maybe pulled you in that direction mm, it is i i got really sick of um excess in that way i got man i got sick of california like i got sick of the sort of like like i got i got sick of america i got sick of neoliberalism and I'm, i don't mean i mean like materialistic mm-hmm. nonsensical like what the fuck are you guys talking about like i'm trying to make rock and roll and you dudes are wasting time like this is weird right. you know that kind of that kind of vibe like that whole thing around the time that the Graces age came out like i don't really know if i noticed things changing but some of my friends that were older than me would say to me that they kind of thought I was insane, you know, for taking, say, what I've been told, uh, you know, is, 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 uh, you know, like say uh, one, one, like one contract, they'd be like, Jesus Christ, like, this is, this is awful. They'd say, okay, I can't believe you're gonna, you're doing this at all, John, you know? And then I would find out it's actually a, a, not an awful contract at all. It's better, you know, that kind of thing than, than what, what's happening at the time in general. I think that, um, I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult for people to choose to, um, be willing to die for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I think that's, that's, that's really it. Like I had two, two teeth extracted this last week. Like it, it gets weird, <laughs> but, but I think, that, but I do think that the music's worth it. Like I really do. I think that we have a responsibility to sort of force the personal back into, um, in, in, into music so that it can become the universal in a sense. And so that, so that it can connect with people, you know, cause there's not, I mean, right. There's not a lot of stuff that I mean I, I don't know like I, I'd like to know what you guys think but there there is there there is a lot of stuff I take that back but relatively speaking my access to music growing up was really limited you know mm-hmm. there was always something though you know what I mean yeah there was always something and it was re- I mean in in some ways it was really limited you know I wonder you know if 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 you took today and you kind of put it into the tiny record shop that we had in Tupelo that have very little that didn't exist for most of the time I was there. And then uh, you took kind of the radio and some of these things that we had access to and what, what you would have heard. If you took a good bit off of that, like t- today, like uh, with the landscape that we have, how much of it is kind of just pretty mediocre? 
how much stuff do we kind of allow? How, how, how little, like Lester Bangs, right? Would he, I, would he tolerate a load of this shit? No. no. Like he, 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 he would call it shit, you know? Right. <laughs> At the very least contrived, you know, and uh, derivative. Well, even Pitchforks. Yeah, even Pitchforks contrived, isn't it? Right. I mean, the irony is built into the name. I mean, dude, like we David Foster Wallace ourselves a long time ago, do you know? Right. Like, like it, it really is kind of infinite jest. I think we, we've kind of hit a point where we, we, we really can, you know, just create things that are real and, and renegotiate the, the musical landscape because we have we have access just as musicians and, and as artists to, to a direct sort of what, uh, link with the with the person that's listening to the music. But what, what you were talking about earlier, I think this is important. What is music without without the experience of live music, you know, it's, it, I mean, I, I've just realized over the pandemic that as much music as I listen to, there's almost like I've hit periods of, of kind of having almost this um kind of a depressive kind of state because I can't go to shows or I can't play, you know, shows, yeah. can't, can't, can't play loud electric guitar and things like that. And it's just different, you know, it's way different. I think that that, that, that energy, that's the thing that, that, um, that, that we kind of, we have to take, I don't know. Uh, I have to figure out how to take advantage of that again, like how to how to create things that are more meaningful in a way that's not just it doesn't just appear to be sincere, but it's real. Yeah. Well, and it was so taken for granted before, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I've, and you're seeing articles about it everywhere as well. But I'm, you know, I'm anxious about that. Things are turning around here in the States to some degree. Like I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. Matt's fully vaccinated. We could go out to shows and it's like, man, how do I even, you know, human anymore with people and you know, which show do I pick to go to and how is that going to be? And the anxiety is just weird. I know. No, no. I think about that too. I mean, like the agoraphobia that I feel sometimes just, you know, I think this is something that we've all, we all had to deal with, with a lot of stuff. And I think it was actually a really good time to sort of, I think everybody maybe had a period when they fell apart, whether other people know or not. I mean, I tend to tell everybody if something's wrong, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So like, um, but I think it's a good time to fall apart yeah. a little bit, you know, and kind of, but, but I think we all did kind of learn to be a bit more agor- agoraphobic. So coming out of this, we, we have to be seriously cognizant of other people's space. But I mean, when was that, you know, ever a Western ideal? Right. It, it may have been an ideal, but I mean, you know, America was built on rape and murder. Right. So ultimately, like personal space is not of great concern, and it's a good thing maybe that we maybe we learn a fucking lesson or something. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think yeah, that stuff kind of leads itself into other things too. Like we we do find ways to get it out. Like John and I have talked about this before. Hate the pandemic. It's been fucking great for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it has it? I hate the damn thing too. But in a lot of ways, like I think. I kind of needed this, you know what I mean? I needed the universe to go stop. Yeah. Just for a minute, just stop. You can't do anything. You know, you can try and watch a load of documentaries and understand some shit that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Right. Or you can just give up, you know, and kind of went I mean, I, I think that, I think that was, that was a great thing. And I think that people started to turn to these things like, I mean, you guys have, have, have noticed like an increase in listenership, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. During that time. But like this, this, there's, there's more of an interest in the podcast or in music or in film, you know, like these are the things that people turn to, you know? So we're really, you know, we're really seeing like the, the sort of power of just sort of the, the raw, I don't know, maybe the raw kind of whatever it is of, of the internet, you know, like of the digital age, like people are able to sort of 
quote unquote vote just by saying, look, this is what I turn to when things are off, you know, and that's a value. So we're watching movies and we're listening to music and we're, we care about these things again. Podcasts, we, we want to talk about these things. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. This, this is good. This is great. You know, this is good stuff. Sure. Right. And it's not a format. It's a, it's a much more friendly format, I think, or it should be mm. in that it really allows, right? It's not an interview. I fucking interview, man. I, right. I'm not interested in asking the same people the same questions over and over. I'm interested in having a conversation and getting to know, you know, and that's yeah. for me, like listening to artists forever. You know, how many times have you listened to a song and been, fuck, I would love to talk to that person and just kind of get into their head. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions to the rule, but they're only because of their ridiculousness. Like, mm -hmm. I read where one guy, no depression, asked Jay Farrar, like, do you ever clean the house listening to girls just want to have fun? You know? <laughs> and I mean, that, I would love to, you know, he said, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the scene, like that stoic bullshit. I mean, right. real boy, like, no. You know, but I mean, yes, you do. Everybody does. I love it. <laughs> Cindy Lover's a legend. She is like, you, you go go watch her doing um, Barbarella with Scott Whalen. That, that shit is incredible. Like, she's actually crazy talented. She is, dude. Oh my God. Like, she's, she is, she's cool as shit. She's just an amazing woman. You go watch old, like, uh, Rage, uh, tv sort of her as a presenter at, at night like on, on on um australian television it's incredible i don't know like uh this is kind of what will russell and i were talking about but the way that artists tend to engage uh questions or the the expectation that questions will exist like a lot of the interviews i get like chuck prophet and i had this thing going for a while where if they sent us shit if a magazine or some shit sent something to one of us that, that, that just had questions, you know, in an email and it's like, here you go, email it back and then we'll kind of write it like we wrote it or whatever. Uh, we would give it to the other person, you know, and we would trade yeah. and just make some crap up. It was real. It got really <laughs> weird, you know, like, it really, it really did get weird. Like I got them in some record books for catching a, the biggest bass on uh on uh Western I'm serious like and this guy got real mad at him seriously this guy got mad at him and said he knew the depth of that lake and there's no way he could have done it. he couldn't have done it. I mean that was why I made it up. I mean or the time when like I asked Lucinda Williams like if I were a bass player as Chuck, would you have sex with me? And she was like you wouldn't have to be but she but, but dude it backfired she she said you wouldn't have to have sex with me. And then I have met her later and she was making kind of kind of letting me in she's like you can call me lucy and saying all this stuff and i was like whoa nice. my god lucy Williams. yeah and her fiance's laughing at me over there and chuck and then they're just having a field day they already said he's the one that asked all the inappropriate questions that magnet magazine thing. But, you know like the way that we're engaging one another here it's it's this is representative of this is a conversation right do you know what i mean like yeah that's the thing. I want to know like uh, what people are like. I want to know how they think, or I want to I want to see it happen. You know, I don't I don't want to like this is what Will was 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 saying a lot, but he was saying he doesn't think that a lot of folks have wanted to let and, they, well, and they've been discouraged from letting people into their lives. You know, right. like there, there there was a time when uh, like Almost Famous, you know, when journalists followed, you would have these I don't know these kinds of long form narratives like they existed more in journalism and, and now we're seeing them come back with the podcast and this is just great you know because we're actually getting i don't know we're getting 
more than just a soundbite. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think I think for a little while it'll it'll take a lull or it'll take a dip as more people are you know going out. Yeah. I'm free and you know I'm vaccinated. We can go out to do anything. Let's go eat ten pounds of ice cream and watch three concerts. And yeah. it'll be that for a little while. But I mean, we people were interested in this format prior to the pandemic too. It's not you know something mm. born of it. It's been around they for were. a decade or so, and, and people enjoy that long form. It, it, yeah, they do. I'm pretty sure it'll continue. I, I don't see how. No, you know, it's uh, and it's all about the conversation, like Matt says. Totally. One thing I've always hated is people who say, oh, "I don't care for art much," or "I don't care for music much." It's like, how can you say that when? How can you? There's so many different varieties of it. Mm. Like, I kind of don't trust people that don't have a creative outlet because I think there's something. You know, that's that's what serial killers like. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little you know, creepy. Like, yeah, it's it's real creepy when you kind of like. Right. Or at least you don't have to be like creative but you have to at least like appreciate, appreciate it, it. Yeah. yeah no that's what i mean i mean i think i think the appreciation of, of it is in and of itself like i think journalism you know at its best like music journalism at its best it is it is and it's a, it's a big like lester banks is a musician as far as i'm concerned do you know what i mean like yeah right or uh or, or nick Tosh or any of these any of these guys like alan jones like mm-hmm. I, I think i think the, like you guys y'all are an inherent like y'all are built in part of the conversation you know y'all are a part of the thing yeah i think the ego has really become a huge part of of our world i mean donald trump was president so i think we what well, we he was like yeah. um so <laughs> i'm just yeah, trying like, to forget like, you know so like, i know i'd like to forget too but i think <laughs> if i think if we i think we gotta remember yeah, you know, I think we had a there was a Kaiser, and then you know you had Hitler and stuff like that too. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, probably best we realize that what we what we reward in 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 the United States tends to be narcissism and and toxic narcissism at that. You know, a lot of the time, like, and I think that that that's that's gone on in the, in the music industry for a long, long time. Yeah, and I think that's starting to change. I think we're starting to see that change just by default of strangely because the the sort of the platform is is, is just i suppose more more open or or right. it, the, the way people listen it has changed but but um but it's gonna be i don't know i think it's gonna be interesting to see i think it's really it's gonna be really interesting to see what, what what's coming up you know because i feel like we've had a, a a good bit of time where we've got some great stuff out there but we've also had a good bit of time when we've had things that were really referential and i think we've got kids that just want to do some shit and that's gonna be really interesting to see yeah you know what, I mean? what are they gonna come uh, up with yeah i can't wait yeah and i think the most important thing is just to keep encouraging them to do that shit too yes you know so many people in our generation i think it, it is particularly like kids of the 90s and uh 80s and you know so many were told you know well you know don't just do that art thing or that music thing or just do that in your spare time you know let's let's find you a, a job job yeah all right let's be practical let's be practical how, yes. you know, how much creativity was killed as mom result, you know? dad i yeah. knew you guys were there it's mom yeah <laughs> see that's the thing I'm, i have this like real internal guilt every time I'm like all right Evie, here's the thing man if you're really not <laughs> right you know, if you're yeah, not gonna yeah. go to school now, man. Like, look, you've you got a great backstory. Like, I'm you could use me way more than Rufus Wainwright, <laughs> right? Loud, loud Wainwright. Like, you know, like I really fucked up when you were a kid. Like, so just go with that. I'll play guitar with you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering, <laughs> like, I've kind of gone. Like, I mean, do you encourage because I can build a little sociopath that way right. as well? I mean, right. we, we don't know what we're doing, you know, but no, you're absolutely right. Like, I, I, I think, I think, I think it's really important, right? 
Yeah. Uh, but we do have that. Like, we have that awareness, I think, as adults. And, like, I think I accidentally did something good in parenting and just feel bad about it. That is so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, but I, I don't. Kids want to forgive right they want to move on oh no 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 no! i mean that i encouraged i encouraged her to be a musician i think that's way more <laughs> oh, dangerous yeah. no I'm, I'm saying that in in sort of approving of of her kind of going okay man like if you're gonna go for this you need to get serious about it and like i'll be supportive of that that's that that really is something that like i can remember the day that i was in rolling stone and the first time and like a friend called and you know my folks were out in california and we went and got some issues the magazine and <clears throat> and uh and so I, I look at the thing and then we're driving back and my mother goes we go by this oil change place she was like you know you can get a job there you know well she told me i was gonna get shot too when yeah. from moving to california because people live on top of each other and i'm not sure there's not some truth to that with the getting yeah. shot part i mean that was always a danger growing up, you know. Sure. I was fine mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, yeah. Mississippi's a hell of a place. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, you know, it's a danger. It's everywhere. You know, we found it yeah. in schools in Arkansas well, and you know, Colorado. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Being that kind of parent, I think, can be kind of. I was just thinking about uh, Johnny. Yeah. You know, with his dad and like the story behind. It. And by the way, you know, mm. I love his story about recording with you and uh well like they, did he tell you about bringing his daddy's ashes over to yeah, that's yeah. what i was getting to i mean the way that he did that yeah john johnny is i was like look at you man i mean when, when i got to rockfield like and he was there in his little like little like v-neck sweater kind of thing with the with the with the oxford shirt and everything and, and his uh, bloodshot eyes because he didn't <laughs> sleep the night before i was like look at you like the the irish chauffeur in downton abbey that never was you know it's like because it was right. real, real posh looking and so i was like they're gonna kick you out soon johnny boyle like <laughs> you know, and all this stuff. john john boyle is just he's a he's a legend but he, yeah he got he got a little bit of ashes through and i guess his daddy's favorite couple of records were um what hang on let's see if i can get this right i don't, I don't feel bad if i don't it's Sergeant Peppers and Dark Side of the Moon, I think. Yeah, maybe not Dark Side. Well, on Pink Floyd and the Beatles record, and so he, you know, he put some he put some ashes in the back and stuff. His their relationship with uh, like his relationship with his dad and music, it's incredible, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's awesome, and I, I love Johnny. He is just me too. Such a cool dude. But you can tell, like his dad was pretty powerful part of that. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, for anybody who didn't catch that episode or anything, he. he kind of snuck the ashes in uh, to every road and just kind of, you know, stuck them in the dirt with nobody looking. And, and I think the best part about that is the idea of, you know, better to uh, beg forgiveness than ask permission. Yeah, man. <laughs> that, break break the law. Break the law. Like, that's what I'm saying. I was smoking weed out there as well. Like, I mean, and, you know, my man, my manager at the time said, you know, you, you taught me something today, John, that this is just another building. You're goddamn right. It's just another building. Like, <laughs> things need to, they need to be alive, you know? And, and like, we had a great time at Rockfield because I intentionally did some insane things. Like, didn't finish songs, uh-huh. you know? Like, I had COVID while we were while we were doing a lot of the the tracking like the the actual um yeah yeah i didn't know it at the time like but i did like so i was i mean i was seriously kind of i felt horrible like towards the end of the the initial time at rockfield but like at the same time like it was just it was just this really kind of weird and 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 trippy experience john boyle is one of the 
like there's a handful of musicians that I play with that I can kind of that I have this kind of weird. How do I know what you're doing, and how do you know what I'm doing and what I'm about to do? Kind of yeah. thing, you know. And he he's 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 one of those guys, like just seriously one of the, the finest like human beings and drummers that I've ever met. You know, just fun. You know, he's a great guy and super talented too. Holy shit! And modest about it, really. I mean, he's just like you know, he'll talk. He like every time he talks to someone, you can. It's almost like yeah, you're really talented, but he's not giving himself like really the due that he deserves. Here's the credit he deserves. The only thing that's not edited at all on that record is his drumming. Wow! Wow! You know, I mean, there is no click to the vast majority of that because I mean, some of it's built. Like weird kind of Nagra tape loops and stuff like that, that 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 we put back together. But but John like is 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 he's and always think the backbone of that and the the dynamic the way that he plays dynamically and still plays loudly all yeah. the time. I mean the amount of power that that he plays with, but then still the dynamic range that he has. I've never met another drummer that can do that. That can still ha- that can still have that sort of dynamic range without ever really getting quieter do you know i mean it's yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a what is it i would i, I would say john Bull's better drummer than dave Grohl. there you go yeah yeah wow do you know like he, i mean he's like yeah i think so <laughs> i'd rather play with john Boyle. well i would i mean i think i think john Boyle is a, he's a he's 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 one of the best rock drummers around you know so it's just, yeah. just genuine down-to-earth guy on top of that mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's it he just loves complaining about the neighbors and like you know how <laughs> guinness was out of out of widgets and things and so he thought that was the end of the world for a while and like the the other thing i think is uh you know like john john's done a great job I and mean, this is this is a thing you know that happens here it's not that that big of a place so he's he's done an incredible job and and like mick cronin is down here like they're about the same age they're both drummers there's loads of drummers that, that 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 wouldn't exist if it weren't for those lads, or like Jeremy Hickey and Kilkenny. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that are, you know, like my age or or older, like they 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 really share it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And uh, it's it's beautiful that way. Like these these young lads really can play because they really wanted to be like these guys. I mean, they were heroes. You know, in the way that like Greg Cartwright was kind of a hero to me when I was living in Memphis and stuff. I was like, I just want to be jack oblivion or greg oblivion that kind of that kind of thing you know i think they had these types of these people that they could literally learn from and you know john's done an incredible that's he's he's, oh, he's yeah. a brilliant well teacher. and he's yeah. literally a teacher right now too mm-hmm. and i, I mm-hmm. wondered like how much fun would it be to be in one of his classes you know i i wonder if i don't think i could hack it i mean <laughs> no, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't i mean you know like he even during during those sessions like i kept forgetting that we weren't recording because in between takes we just kept playing you know and he would still he would play during he'd eat lunch and then go back in there because he just liked the sound of the room so much yeah you know that kind of that kind of love of it you know it's great it's it, i mean that kind of thing is infectious you see that's why you can't say you know i always feel guilty about putting out records with my name on them because of people like john yeah. Boyle. Do, do you know what i mean it's not it's not no that john makes sense john, yeah, no, John Parrish said uh, towards the end of the recording, like, uh, he, he looked at my manager at the time, and he said, like, um, is John going to be available for, for touring, you know, and stuff? And she said, yeah. And he goes, good, because he's an inherent part of, or just an integral part of the sound. And he oh, is, and you I, know. I, it's really evident he feels the same about you. Oh, 
Like he just such high raving. Like I, I, I'll be, I didn't know who you were until he brought it out. That's good. That's funny. Yeah. He, I'm like, oh, I gotta check out this guy. You know, and yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like I fucked up in kind of getting to know you musically because I just Johnny had such high regard, and then I go and I read up on you before I start listening. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you've got all these accolades, and people just there are people that just really fucking love you. Yes, yeah, and then it was like almost put too much expectation in my head. Like, not expectation yeah. is the right word, but pressure mm. to really connect. And it took you. You're also an a little bit, and I mean this in the best way possible. Yeah, uh, of an acquired taste. Oh no, I think I think yeah, yeah. I think that like with with this record, like I'm trying to sort of. There's a way that I think I I, I don't I, I didn't realize how almost like you can hide behind art too. Do you know? Yeah, sure. So like I think that there's a way that like I, I've I, I've been really insistent about doing weird shit. You know, like, I mean, I've been really insistent about sort of uh, throwing strange stuff into things that, you know, or removing things from things that maybe feel that they should be there, you know. And no, I agree. I, th- I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's funny that I've gotten the accolades I have. Do you know? Because I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. I think I think the whole thing is great fun. But I, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, would you have thought that what you heard sounded like what you read about? No, but I, then again, I don't. I don't have anything that's easy to compare you to either. Well, no, but I mean, like, say, say the, say the press that you read and stuff. Like, did you think that it was going to sound the way it did when you heard it? Hmm. I probably expected it to be a little bit more straight up folksy. Yeah, there you go. See, you know, because it's 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 effectively like uh, mar- it's marketing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't like America, and they call it Americana. You know, like they America killed like half of my relatives. Like, why would I want to? Right. You know, it's funny. Like, I mean, I, I think there's a load of hip hop in the stuff that I do. I think it's really, no. it's kind of strange. I think that, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's kind of what I meant about just, you know, the, the musical landscape. It's really gotten narrow because no. it is an acquired taste. But like Jim Dickinson said, uh, and I really think he was like one of the greatest ethicists of, rock and roll but he said like one time like if 16 million people like the same song john there's nothing wrong with it <laughs> right you know and if there's i mean if it doesn't insult somebody and like 16 million people can like the same thing then it must not be about anything mm, that's an interesting perspective yeah well i mean it, there's something kind of uh there's something that that's just like like when when it becomes so universal it becomes impersonal then it it, it becomes a commodity right you know what I mean no that totally like, we stop interpreting it the way we're supposed to like look at Born in the USA right it's become like this American yes. anthem Thank and you. it is about how fucked up yes, this Ronald, country is don't you don't you kind of love that ronald reagan screwed up that man and was like <laughs> you know he wanted to use that for like one in that great night he's like we need more patriots like Bruce yes we do more people saying i was Amen. born down in a dead man's town first kick i took was when i hit the ground you end up like a dog that's been beat too much do you spend half your life just born in the usa yeah. isn't that ironic like it's real weird i mean i think i yeah that's great walker percy loved bruce springsteen and this is here this is a really strange one gary talent goes to the the church that i grew up in in tupelo mm-hmm. isn't that weird yeah, yeah it's wild uh, yeah yeah 
Oh, yeah, he's a really small good guitar world. player. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I, I have noticed kind of an emergence, or maybe I'm just recognizing it more, and that's kind of where I've been leaning lately, is towards like the punk slash folk mm-hmm. music, because it's a real thing, and it's fucking awesome. Oh, like, do you know Jinx Lennon over here? Like, he's sort of uh, one of the godfathers of this whole thing. Yeah, or like, do you know Dan Byrne? I don't. Over there, I've been getting into uh, Mick Flannery lately. Oh, yeah, no, Mick's and Dan down in, like, Quark. Oh, God, man, the, those records are, that's interesting how you kind of, okay, I see what you're saying there. Absolutely. That is what it is. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, no, that is what it is. Adrian Crowley's great that way as well. Okay. Goy lad, like um John Parrish did um a record with him recently too. Yeah, I'm into I'm into a lot of the, the, I'm see, I'm hearing a lot of that kind of stuff as well. There's a a woman over here named Bronwyn. It's a B R A N W E N. Okay. And her stuff is just incredible. I mean, that's her doing everything as well. Like, yeah, just, Johnny's talked just, about her on one of because was it Dave Hingerty he did uh episode with and he plays with her? I think so. Yeah, so, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering where that um, yeah. sounded familiar. Kind of the Irish Janice Joplin was ha- how they described her. Yeah, that's right. Something like this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Check out Yeah here william elliott whitmore if you're not familiar with him oh yes he's fucking incredible we're friends with him and just amazing william elliott whitmore yeah we'll send you a link oh dude okay um any 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 other stuff what else have i missed out on Uh, well he's been around for a while uh listen to his episode yeah it's really good Mm, his side project uh dope walker is also very good yeah but uh let's see more the same there's some really good area bands around here that you might like. If you were like a replacements fan, check out. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Check out Headlight Rivals. Okay. Headlight Rivals. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit harder rock. Uh, Godzillionaire. Check them out. Uh, we're big fans of theirs. Uh, okay. Okay. That was Mark Hennessy from uh, Paw. I don't know if you remember them from the 90s. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 He's okay. got a new uh, project. It's, it's, it's better than Paul. It really is. It's insanely good. Yeah. Very good stuff. Well, yeah, we can send you links to all that stuff. I've, I've been really into, you know, Bill Callahan and Will Oldham stuff. The stuff that they've done on Patreon and things like the Billy Eilish cover. That was incredible. Like this kind of weird, just the stuff that, I don't know. Callahan is a seriously interesting person. I, I remember seeing it was build a smog in, in memphis i think in 98 and it was i mean it was pissing rain outside it was really pouring and like uh he walked into the high tone and there's like eight people in there and he's he's covered in and and just soaked and everything he gets on stage and he gets his guitar out and all of that and he's he, he looks miserable and he walks up to the microphone and everybody's kind of standing there it's really quiet it's really awkward really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and uh he just said like how, how the fuck did elvis presley like come from here he just stares at like, like murder it's kind of like he goes i just i just drove past like a a, a churchyard full of uh like crosses to fetuses you mm-hmm. know like um and, and, and right like how, how how the hell did oh that is why elvis came right you know <laughs> what i mean yeah. like, kind of saying there's this thing to rebel against but, I, but his recent stuff like uh you know it's just it, it's 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 funny like the dude's just i don't know there's a lot of good stuff out there, isn't there? Oh, there's yeah. really oh, just, just so much, and I can't much, keep up too with much. it. No, that's it. Uh, but yeah, not me. I've been really digging your new track. It's uh, 
It's great. The ones and zeros. Thanks. I'll send you guys on the, the rest of the record. I love the name of the record. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, man. That, that was a moment. Like, it's a guy named Mundy over here. And I mean, there's nothing There's nothing new under the sun, you know? Like, John Boyle would have played with Mundy as well. But um, I saw a Mundy poster. Like, I, I hadn't heard his music yet, but I saw this poster that said, like, uh, and his music is good. But it, it said, uh, the moon is a, uh, the moon is a, a bullet hole. And I thought, oh, wait, I can, I can do, I can do that. I can, I can do that. And I told, I told him like, you know, a while ago, I was like, so I rewrote that thing, you know, and this is the night that you met my friend, friend James Taylor. And when he said like, Hey, I'm Monday, he said, hi, Tuesday. And it, it was just a weird night. So it took me two or three times to tell him Monday look, I made a record and rewrote your fucking, don't get upset about this later, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And he, and he, it, it, it kind of dawned on him. I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think the grace of age is a sort of accurate, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, the, the script are out. I think, uh, I think maybe, maybe the stars really are gods. Maybe we're just looking at everything the wrong way, you know, maybe right. God is like turning the gun around on us now. So yeah, for everybody listening, the title is actually "The Stars Are God's Bullet Holes." Yeah, they might be. I mean, they might be. You know, we, we <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Makes as much sense as anything. Well, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we we look externally, but maybe we're we're the problem. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm starting to agree with that more and more. Mm. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Johnny, we don't want to take up your whole night and everything. And Oh, man, that's good talking to you all, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had a great time getting to know you. By the way, who have we been talking to? I don't think oh, yeah. we've actually formally introduced you the oh, entire. That's, oh, that's great. Oh, my name's John Murray. Hey. Hey, John. Nice hey, to meet John. you. Hey. No, nice to meet <laughs> no, you, too, John. Yeah. We just got to talking. I'm good at talking about myself. Thank you, guys. <laughs> hey, man, you did a great job. <laughs> did a great job. Mm. Yeah, we had a good time. Appreciate we it. really appreciated it. Right. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. With thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Undetermined the Podcast with our special guest. We'll say it again. John, John Murray. Murray. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. See you guys.